Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast this week. Uh, we are looking, it's Palm Sunday, so we are looking at the story of Jesus' uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, and we are also looking at the rest of the Easter narrative. So we hope you enjoy the talk and have a great Easter. Well, hi everyone, uh, great to see you this week. Thanks for joining us online and happy Palm Sunday to you. Um, before I get into the preach today, um, just some details about Easter week uh, coming up. So Easter week, or sometimes known as, as Holy Week, Palm Sunday is the start of Easter week. Um, so what, what's happening this week? So we've got Thursday, which is known as Monday Thursday. Um, that's the night where we looked at Jesus, the night before his crucifixion. Uh, the meal, the Last Supper that he ate with his disciples, with his friends. They broke bread and he shared the cup of wine. Uh, that's where we get the the, the kind of the um, symbol of communion from the actual act of doing communion together. Uh, and then also on Monday, Thursday, we, we remember the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus um, went you know, in this kind of anguish and anxiety that he faced the night before he went to the cross. So uh, as a church on Thursday, we will be uh, celebrating um, uh, uh, Monday, Thursday. And the way we do that is through small groups. So if you're not part of a small group, join a small group this week. Uh, small groups, it won't just be Thursday, it'll probably be different evenings during, during the week this week. Connect with your small group leader and get details about how you're going to celebrate Monday, Thursday together. So that's happening. On Good Friday, no, it's a good, this Friday coming up, Good Friday. Good Friday is the day that we remember that Jesus died, that he was killed, that he was hung upon the cross uh, in great pain and suffering. Um, you know, it's, it's quite the narrative that we hear. That there was an earthquake, the ground shook, the sky went black, the, uh, the, the curtain in the temple in Jerusalem was torn into, uh, Jesus' body was pierced and then removed from, from the cross, and his body was taken down, it was laid to rest in a rocky tomb. So that's the events of Good Friday, incredibly powerful day. As a church, we're going to um, commemorate it. We're going to have a service, a reflective service at Insult Court here in Cardiff. So um, if you're around, all the details are on our website. We'd love to see you um, at that service on Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday, that's next Sunday, a week today. Uh, Easter Sunday, the greatest day in history. This is the day that we remember that Jesus was in the tomb for three days and then rose again, the resurrection. All seemed lost and yet Jesus rose again from the dead, uh, the empty tomb, the resurrected body, as the song, the classic song says, oh death, where is your sting? So that's Easter Sunday next week. As a church, we'll be celebrating that in our different sites. There are services on Easter Sunday in our central, west and north sites in the morning, usual times. At central, we are also having a baptism. Um, so do look out for that and, and you know, do check out baptism. One thing to say is that if you were thinking of coming on Easter Sunday, there is no evening service in our central site. So look out for that. The other thing I just want to say as well before I get into the preach is if you're joining us for the first time and you're new to, new to us here at Vineyard in Cardiff, do head to our website. We'd love to connect with you. Drop us a line and uh, drop us your contact details and, or drop us an email if you've got any questions you'd like to ask. We, uh, we'd love to hear from you and it's great to have you connecting with us today. Anyway, so I am preaching today. Um, it's Palm Sunday, so that's what the preach is about today. Let me start with a passage that's in the Old Testament. This is something that was written 500 years, a half a millennium before the, the actual events of Easter that I've just, uh, just mentioned. And this is taken from the book of Zechariah. So it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's Zechariah chapter 9 
first line in Zechariah. This is a prophetic passage from him. Zechariah was both a priest and a prophet. Like I said, he lived about 500 years before the life of Jesus. Um, and Zechariah brought the message of the Messiah. The Messiah. This was the idea of a new type of king, a new type of leader, a saviour that would come to Israel from the, line of, from the line of David. And this Messiah would change everything. He would be a good shepherd. He would look after his flock. He would be righteous yet humble, and he would bring salvation. He would save people. And that Messiah that was prophesied, that is Jesus. Jesus is the one that they were waiting for. He is the one that was promised. And on Palm Sunday, today, Palm Sunday, we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem. He, at the, after uh, his period of ministry and teaching all around the different kind of villages and towns, he is now riding into Jerusalem. So let's pick this uh, account up. This is Matthew, uh, Matthew's Gospel, and this is chapter 21, starting in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. That's the prophet Zechariah. Uh, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So this this account, this is often known as the triumphal entry. It's a wonderfully evocative account, isn't it, of Jesus travelling into Jerusalem. Uh, familiar to many of us, there's a picture in our minds of Jesus riding on a donkey um, and people are using palm leaves, that's why we call it Palm Sunday, palm leaves um, as they praise him and they welcome him into Jerusalem. Now this scene is, it's almost a parody um, because it's not a classic scene, is it, of majesty and splendour and might. Now instead what we see is the glorious king, Jesus, the glorious king, but of the upside down kingdom because things do not look like they should. Uh, this was an era of kind of imperious and all-conquering emperors and, and military heroes who, who would often ride into places either that they've conquered or ride home from their conquests with like big military parades and all sorts of kind of pomp and ceremony. Instead, Jesus rides not a war horse or in on a chariot. Instead, he rides in on an un- unbroken colt, uh, so kind of young and untested that it has to be tethered to its mother to help keep the donkey uh, calm amongst the crowds and the noise. This was the long-awaited king, who is righteous and humble, and this is the Messiah that Zechariah foretold. Here he comes, riding a donkey to bring peace, not a war horse to bring conflict. And yet Jesus arrives not to fanfare and to trumpet calls. Instead, all the noise is, is just the unaccompanied voices of people around him on the streets, singing traditional hymns. 
Things do not look like they should, yet this is exactly what it should look like. There is a beautiful and disarming um, kind of authenticity to this scene. Jesus is exactly who he is. He's nothing more, nothing less, and yet that is enough. He is enough. And the people's response is beautifully simple. There is a purity to how they respond in this. They grab what they can and they worship. They don't have much, but what they do have is all they can bring. So they grab their cloaks and they lay them out. Now in Jewish tradition, this was a symbol of submission to a king. This is something that went back to kind of the Old Testament. You can read about it in, let's say, for example, the book of Two Kings. It's a way of saying yes and amen to the king who was promised. They also grab branches and palm leaves and they lay them down as well. Again, uh, this had real kind of symbolic importance within the Jewish tradition. The uh, palms or branches were a symbol of victory and here they are saying yes to the Messiah, the victory is his. And a song breaks out. Now the route that Jesus took into Jerusalem would have crested over the the Mountain of Olives, and it was a well-trodden route, very, very well known as a route for pilgrims heading into Jerusalem. And one of the traditional pilgrim songs was taken from a psalm, Psalm 118, which again we find in the Old Testament. It goes that this is verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, for from the house of the Lord we bless you. So it's just a very kind of simple passage which is turned into a song. And the crowd, well, they cannot help but praise and worship. This song of salvation breaks out amongst them. Hosanna, God saves, that's what they're singing. It's interesting as well, actually, in Luke's account of this and one of the other Gospels, it's not included in Matthew's Gospel, but there's just a snippet that we see in Luke's account of this, and it says this, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That's Luke uh, 19, 39 and 40. When the kingdom of God breaks out, it cannot be stopped. Even the rocks would cry out. Jesus will be worshipped. Jesus must be worshipped. It's one of these moments where the saviour of the world is here and he must be given the glory due his name. It's a moment where things on earth look like they do in heaven. It's not particularly glamorous, it's not particularly well organised, it's not particularly slick, but it is authentic, it is spirit-filled, and it is spontaneous. This glorious moment where the, the glorious king enters in. It reminds me actually last week I heard a story, I wasn't there, but at the uh, our evening service at our central site, um, my wife Alice was there, she was preaching, and James, uh, our senior pastor, was leading the service, and I, I heard on the back of the service that um, there was a time of worship at the end and actually Alice kind of went to close the service. She couldn't do it because the worship just went on and on and on. People just would not stop singing praise to Jesus. And then James got on the stage and tried to, tried to conclude the service as well. And again, it just couldn't stop. The Holy Spirit was moving so powerfully. Jesus was being lifted high. And apparently it got to the point where James kind of just had to say to people, look, you leave when you can leave. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's kind of how it is. The glorious chain of this upside down kingdom has to be praised. It just, it just has to be done. Sometimes he just must be worshipped. So that's kind of what we see here in this, in this account of Jesus walking into Jerusalem. It's such a picture of praise. 
And as Jesus arrives in the city, a key question is asked. We see this uh, back in, in Matthew 21, verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Who is this? Jesus's arrival in Jerusalem is a confrontational moment. There are now decisions to be made in the minds of the people. They are, the city is stirred up. They are stirred up. And the question they asked is, who is this? The whole city is now wandering and asking. Not long after he arrives, we, we haven't got time to read this today, but actually you can read on in, in Matthew's Gospel. What happens is that Jesus, actually after his arrival on the donkey, heads into the temple area and uh, you know, without going into all the details, suffice to say, it is not without incident. There's a whole flurry of activity, tables are overturned, uh, merchants and sellers are driven out and rebuked, and yet at the same time, uh, the poor and the sick are cared for and healed by Jesus. It's, it's safe to say that his presence is felt. Where Jesus is, you don't know about it. Like You can't miss his presence. But all this leaves the religious and political leaders of the day with a decision to make. What are they going to do with Jesus now he's there? I mean, he is now at the heart of the Jewish nation, i.e. Jerusalem, during the most important festival of the year, i.e. the Passover festival. This whole thing is coming to a head. And kind of what Jesus is doing here and what he's saying, what he's embodying, is he's saying, you need to crown me or crucify me. Crown me or crucify me. And that's the question that, uh, almost the dilemma that he, he asked the people at the time, is also the same question we need to ask ourselves. Just as the city was stirred up, we are stirred up when we see Jesus kind of entering our lives. And we say, who is this? Now, perhaps this is a conversation you've had with friends or colleagues over the years, uh, or perhaps it's the question that you're asking at the moment, perhaps you're on that journey of faith. You're exploring the Christian faith as it goes. And the, the thought pattern goes something along the lines of, well, I like Jesus, I'm just not sure he was the son of God. I think he was a good man, I liked his teaching, I liked some of the things he did. But I'm just not sure I can really say yes to him because I'm not sure he is who he said he was. The Easter story prompts us to come off the fence. As Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he's reframing that question. Either we have to kill him or we have to crown him, like I said a minute ago. There's a real paradox. Jesus is meek and humble and gracious. There he is, trotting in on his donkey. And yet he's also the king, the Messiah, the victorious one. This is the decision that we are left with. C.S. Lewis, legendary theologian, put it like this. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is of moderate importance. Jesus cannot be of moderate importance. Ultimately, we all have to consider this. Whether you're watching this today and you're like, you've said yes to Jesus in your life, maybe you've said it a hundred times. It's a question that we always have to return to. What do we make of Jesus? I remember um, being, I've been, over the years, I've been on many Alpha courses, uh, either just going along to, to, to explore the Christian faith or to like help lead conversations and facilitate discussion. And I can remember like at least oh, a handful of occasions where people have come to, this is the key bit they come to, like you, you go through the course and like, who is Jesus? 
Was he really the son of God? Why did he have to die? These are key questions. And actually, like, there's another question that I know is in the Alpha course that people find helpful. Again, C.S. Lewis, the theologian, put it this way, which is there's what's called the, the classic trilemma. It's the dilemma, but there's three aspects to it, a trilemma, which is like, how do we interpret Jesus? Because if he did these things, was he essentially, well, one way of putting it is like, was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he Lord? Or another way of putting it would be, was he mad, bad, or actually the son of God? And that's kind of the choice that we have to make. Ultimately, when we, the Easter account, when we look at it, the choice of Jesus to head into Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to the cross to be resurrected again three days later, we, it doesn't leave us with much riddle room. Also, we have to make that choice. Where does that leave us with Jesus? So on Palm Sunday, we reflect on that question. And then I also want to look at this, something quite different. What is this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem? What does it tell us about what it is to live like Jesus? That's a question that we ask ourselves a lot in this, in this church. What is it to live a life that looks like the life that Jesus lived? Well, what I see in this is actually a picture of courage. Yes, courage. I think what we can draw out of this is that to live like Jesus is to live a life of courage. As Jesus rides into the city, he is just a few days away from his death. I mentioned earlier about Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, and Calvary itself, Calvary, the hill where he went to die on. Gethsemane and Calvary await, and Jesus knows this. He knows what is coming. In all three of the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all share the fact that Jesus predicted his death three times, three times. So, for example, if you want to have a look at this week, you can see it in three consecutive chapters. Look in Mark, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, 9, and 10. Jesus said this in chapter 8, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be killed and raised again. Chapter 9, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. Chapter 10, he said this, They will condemn him to death. The Gentiles will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Jesus knew what was coming. And we know that the fear, the foreboding, the anguish he felt was there because we saw it, we see it in Gethsemane later when we look at that on Monday, Thursday. But if he was feeling those things in Gethsemane, in my mind there's a very, very good chance that he had at least twinges of that as he turned to head towards Jerusalem. Jesus is fully human. Jesus is 100% divine, 100% human. Jesus is not a robot. He's not being programmed without emotion or anxiety just to complete his mission. Not at all. No, this is the last leg of his mission. <laughs> I don't know about you. I used to, um, I'm a half decent runner, not a great runner. I'd say I'm kind of on about the 35th percentile in the population when it comes to running. And I'd say that like, but I, what I did say, when I was a kid, I used to love sports day at school. And one of the races I used to run was the 400 meter race. Um, if, if you've ever run a 400 meter race, you will be familiar with the fact that you usually, basically the way your body's designed is you can run the first kind of two, 300 meters okay and you start to feel pretty tired. But it's after about 300 meters, the lactic acid in your, in your body, particularly in your legs, just starts to go crazy. You start to feel your, your heart and your lungs are burning. And as you go around that last bend, everything in you, you've got 100 meters to go and everything in you just wants to stop. You'd think, I'm done. I'm happy, I'm done now, I'm, I can walk off. 
And yet something in you is like, I've got to finish, I've got to finish. There's only the, the home straight to go. And I do wonder whether there's an element of that here. Jesus is on the last leg. He's pushing on. Everything in him, at a human level, must think, can I just stop? Can I just turn back? But I see this. When I read the Palm Sunday uh, account, I see such courage. I see such courage. And I want some of that courage in my life. It's probably no accident that in the Bible, across the 66 books of the Bible, the most common refrain that we see, that we can read, is, is either do not be afraid or fear not. Do not be afraid or fear not. Just fear grips us, doesn't it, from the inside and on the outside. Um, certainly in the last few years, the world has been a traumatic place, hasn't it? And continues to be so, sadly. At the moment, I don't know about if you're anything like me, but something inside me just wants to curl up into a ball, maybe just hibernate. Can we just kind of hide away until this all goes away? But a life with Jesus and a life that looks like his doesn't allow for this. We cannot withdraw. We can't duck out. And actually, if we did, we'd probably end up bored. Perhaps that's a question that you could wrestle with today. Like, actually, are you feeling quite bored in your walk with Jesus? I mean, I heard a great interview recently with a, with a church leader. And he talked, and he was being very funny in a very non-judgmental way. But he had this, he was talking about like, just his amazement that sometimes he will chat to people who've been following Jesus perhaps for a little while or for a long time. And he said, you know, sometimes they're, they're bored. They're bored in their faith. And he said, well, I'm happy to shake them up in about just a few seconds. It doesn't take me long. And what he'll say to them, he was like, well, if you're bored with your, with your walk with Jesus, uh, when was the last time you shared your faith? Or when was the last time you prayed for healing for someone who was sick? And he continued. He said, well, actually, you know, if that doesn't work, I'll say to them, right, Name three places in your city or, you know, wherever you live where you're sure that there's demonic activity. Then go to those places and start praying around them. Something will happen. Well, actually, I heard a different idea um, recently. There was, I heard of a church that uh, kind of what they say to their, their congregation is um, film yourself. Do, do like a selfie uh, video. Film yourself for three to five minutes and share your video, uh, sh- sh- yeah, share your account of how you came to life in Jesus. Three to five minutes. And then once you've filmed it, share it with anyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus. Now there's a thought. All of those things, I was like, I don't know about you, but I found them pretty challenging. They would take some serious courage. But without courage, we do not grow. Courage is a foundational virtue. Without it, many of the other areas in which I want to grow and and we want to grow, say like in generosity or in kindness, we won't grow in those areas if we at first don't have courage. We are transformed to bring transformation, but internal transformation must happen first before we start to see outward transformation. And we will only grow with resistance and when we push into things that are hard. A muscle does not grow unless it lifts a weight and our character will only grow when we step away from our comfort and step into moments that require courage. I know personally I would choose and I do choose comfort over courage far too often. The the path of least resistance is, is conveniently for me all too frequently the most attractive path isn't it? But if I want to grow and I want my life to look more like Jesus then I need to look to the Jesus who chose to ride into Jerusalem and then in my own life begin to make those those tough choices. 
So what would it be for us to be a people of courage? And where does our courage come from? Well, it comes from turning our eyes to Jesus. Uh, the legendary preacher, Jonathan Edwards, this is two or three hundred years ago now, he spoke about this so beautifully. He did a sermon all about the, what he called the diverse excellencies of Jesus. He talked about how Jesus combines character traits that we would normally consider mutually exclusive. He talked about how Jesus had infinite majesty and yet complete humility. Jesus uh, had perfect justice, yet boundless grace. Jesus, in Jesus, we see absolute sovereignty, yet utter submission, utter submission to his Father. In Jesus, we see all sufficiency in himself, yet entire trust and dependence on God. There is a complete and beautiful oneness to Jesus. He has this sense of identity, of calling and obedience that comes together in every story that we know of him, not just the Easter account, but the whole story of Jesus. And if our lives are looked, looked like his, and to be lives of courage, to be courageous lives, then we too must step into that same identity, calling and obedience. In his identity, Jesus knew he was and is the Son of God. We are the children of God. We step out of our comfort as his adopted heirs. We are held in the love of our Heavenly Father. That was his identity. That is our identity. Jesus knew his calling. Jesus announced and demonstrated the kingdom of God everywhere he went. Every environment he went into, he carried the kingdom of God. We have the same call on our lives. And Jesus was obedient. He went to the cross to bear our sins, to be the perfect atoning sacrifice, to set us free and to reconcile us with God. He turned to face Jerusalem and he went towards it. He went to take up his cross, to lay down his life so that we would have eternal life. In Jesus, we see perfect obedience. We too are to step out obediently in our walk with him. So, as we head into this Easter week, let us be inspired as we reflect upon the Palm Sunday story. Just as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, let him also enter into our hearts again this week. Just as that scene was a scene of beautiful, pure, spontaneous worship, let us also have a week of praise and worship and thanksgiving. Just as the city was stirred up to ask, who is this? Well, let us ask that question again of Jesus and let us say yes again to him as the Son of God. And let us also, and finally, let the courage that we see in Jesus as he heads into Jerusalem be the courage that dwells in our hearts as we step out in faith.